The Smithfield Murder, a short story from Bowman's Casebook by Richard James. Part 3. Solomon Hibbert has been found hanged among the carcasses at Smithfield Market. Detective Inspector George Bowman begins his investigations. While Graves made it his business to raise a working party from the traders about him, Bowman approached the lad on the stool. Archie Walton looked up as the inspector crouched beside him, his coattails trailing in the sawdust. He had a haunted look, thought the boy. Troubled. What will I do for work? Archie asked, plaintively. Some other of the traders will employ you, Bowman offered, absently smoothing his moustache between his fingers. The boy looked sadly about him. He was not liked, he said quietly, and nor am I. Who would have the keys to this stall, Archie? Only me and Mr Boothby. Hibbert trusted you with his key? The boy nodded. So I can open up. And when was the last time you saw Mr Hibbert? Yesterday at midday. He gave me a sausage for the journey home. I cooked it with the tramps under the viaduct. So he was good to you? Better than he was to his wife. Bowman's eyes flashed wide. I'll pay no heed to gossip, boy. Everyone knows it. He beat her something rotten when he was in his cups. A sudden thought occurred to the inspector as he rose. Has she been told? The boy shrugged with indifference. It was plain he neither knew nor cared. With a sigh, Bowman looked about him, wondering how best to proceed. Hicks had begun his interviews, and Graves was busy at the rail. Three burly men had reluctantly been pressed into lowering Hippert's body. By resting its weight on their shoulders, they were attempting to lift it off its hook and onto the floor. Bowman let his eyes wander to the ground. Absent-mindedly wiping his coattails free of sawdust, a sudden thought occurred to him. Wait! he commanded. The note of authority in his voice was enough to stop the men in their tracks. Graves turned to face him, a look of inquiry in his bright blue eyes. Sir? Step back from the body, Bowman ordered, his face a mask of concentration. The three men stepped back, bemused. Inspector Bowman was circling the body, looking all around at the man's feet, legs and torso. Archie, when was this sawdust laid out? Put it out myself before I left yesterday, he said simply. I do it every day. Bowman looked his fellow detective up and down, then turned his gaze to the men he had enlisted. We all have sawdust on our clothing graves. You and I have been here a matter of minutes, and yet there is sawdust on my coat and on the hems of your trousers. You even have some in your hair. Guess everywhere, pronounced one of the men in a strong Cockney accent. Perks are the job, offered the other with a laugh. Plainly. Bowman was frowning again. And yet Mr Hibbert has not a speck upon him. The two men were silenced, the smiles frozen upon their faces. Their eyes fell upon Hibbert's body. Sergeant Graves was walking all around him now. What does it mean? Bowman had thrust his hands deep in his pockets. It means, he began, that Mr Hibbert was killed elsewhere, carried here, then hung up with his wares. Alice Hibbert had once been a beauty. Looking from her clear, sparkling eyes to her even clearer skin, Bowman could see that perhaps only a few years before she would have turned many an admiring head. Her steel-grey hair was pinned up, secured with a glittering clip in the shape of a butterfly. 
She was dressed conservatively in a frilled dress and sat demurely with her hands clasped at her lap. Looking about him, Bowman's gaze was drawn to an ornate clock at the mantelpiece. It was framed on a plinth of green marble, its numerals etched in a dark Arabic text. It stood proudly amongst some other trinkets, an ostentatious picture frame decorated in fine gold filigree, a representation in China of a skating couple. The panelled walls around the room were inlaid with a floral print, punctuated periodically by tasteful landscapes. A fire blazed in the grate, dispelling the morning cold with a fierce heat. If it hadn't been for the purple bruise that adorned her cheek, Mrs Hibbert would have offered the perfect picture of domestic bliss. Bowman swallowed hard and waited. The woman stared at him, her voice caught in her throat. Are you sure? she whispered, barely audible above the crackling of the fire. Are you sure it's him? Her voice had an Irish lilt that, even in these circumstances, Bowman found appealing. The inspector nodded. His boy found him. He had spared her the details. It was enough for her to know that Solomon Hibbert was dead. The manner of his death could follow in due course. Her hands were shaking now, and she lifted them to her face. Her eyes creased in an effort to contain her feelings, and Bowman found himself wincing in anticipation. And then she did the last thing he had expected. She laughed. Rocking back in her chair, it was as if some great relief had come to her. Mrs Hibbert, he began, confused. I'm not certain you understand the implications. So the bastard is dead. Well, he had it coming. She took a breath and sighed. You must forgive me, Inspector, but if anyone deserved a drubbing, it was Solomon Hibbert. Bowman turned his hat in his hands. He had heard stories of such women from his own wife, Anna. She had taken work with the Salvation Army in Hanbury Street, and would often talk of the cases that presented themselves. Women who were beaten by their husbands like dogs. Others who were thrown out of house and home with nothing to their name. Such men were often drunk, sometimes mad, and rarely punished. Marriage was considered a private affair, and many a man felt free to use his wife as he wished. Do you have a wife, Inspector Bowman? The question brought him up short. She was the first to ask since his release from the asylum, the first to ask since Anna had died. He was unsure how to answer. Did he have a wife? Bowman felt his face flush. He swallowed hard. Blinking away a memory of Anna on their wedding day, he turned to Alice Hibbert. Yes, he replied simply. It was not the response he had thought to give. Yes, I have a wife. And a fine husband I'm sure you make. Alice's eyes sought Bowman's, as if some understanding might be found there. But not all men are the same. She had risen now and walked to the mantelpiece. Warming her hands at the fire, she turned to face the inspector. My husband was a brute, she began boldly, her chin jutting forward in defiance, and I hated him. Mrs Hibbert, would you know of anyone who might want to see your husband dead? Bowman sensed the ridiculous nature of the question, even as he asked it. Alice threw back her head and laughed again, a full-throated laugh, released without care. It might be quicker to make a list of those who would want him still alive. When was the last time you were in his company, Mrs Hibbert? Alice thought. Last night, Inspector. He spent the evening asleep in that very chair until the clock struck eight. Then he sprang from the chair and ran from the house, as he does every week at that time. 
He does the same thing every week. He leaves the house at eight o'clock. Every Wednesday, Alice confirmed. To see a man about a dog, he would say. Her soft Irish lilt rendered the phrase all the more charming. And then, an hour later, he'd return with money in his fist. Except last night, he never returned at all. Bowman raised a quizzical eyebrow. There is a loose tile at my feet, Inspector. It conceals a hole where you may find a tin box locked with a key. It's where he kept his notes. He was never one to trust his money to a bank. May I see? Bowman leaned forward where he sat, his eyes searching the hearth for the very tile. Alice Hibbert seemed to weigh the question in her mind. I will happily show you the box and its contents, Inspector Bowman, but I would ask that you look away while I retrieve it. Bowman turned his back to the fire. As his eyes focused on a picture of a pastoral scene before him, he heard the scraping of brickwork at his back. The tile lifted, the widow bade him turn. She held a tin box, some twelve inches long and six deep. He was surprised to see the lid already open on its hinges. He allowed you access to the box, he inquired. I keep the key about my neck, Alice replied, holding it aloft on its chain so that he may see. I was free to take as much and as often as I saw fit. Solomon kept me well, so I wanted for little. I rarely had recourse to take his money. But did it never occur to you to leave, Inspector? she interrupted. I had the means, certainly. Such a man has a hold over a woman you would not understand. Why does a beaten dog not run? Because he is afraid, Bowman nodded in sympathy. Quite right, Inspector. Afraid of being caught. She held the box forward so that Bowman could see its contents. There were notes of practically every denomination held within. There must be a hundred pounds, he gasped. Half what a detective might expect to earn in a year. Very likely, Alice conceded, snapping the lid shut. Look about you, Inspector. I live a comfortable life. My every whim is catered for. These trinkets and baubles, she waved her hand at the ornaments on the mantel and the pictures on the wall, are merely reparations. She smiled at Bowman's questioning look. To assuage him of his guilt. The more he beat me, the better gifts he would bring. It helped him, I suppose. Bowman felt his anger rising. How could marriage be held in such low regard by some when he had been denied its gifts? He bit his lip. Where did his money come from? The inspector doubted a humble butcher could bring home such a wage. Do you think I would ask? Alice Hibbert's eyes scolded him. You cannot comprehend of a life with Solomon Hibbert. To ask him anything would be to risk his wrath. Bowman felt chastened under her gaze and rose to leave. I would ask you, Mrs Hibbert, to report to me anything you might think to be of use in my investigations. Investigate all you want, Inspector Bowman. Alice Hibbert was seeing him to the door now. And if you find him, bring the murderer to me that I might shake his hand. <laughs>